0: I'm most proud of that in my life. It was like an early Jamie Oliver. I took on all these kids from the street who didn't have a job, and I trained them all up. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was like a substitute mother where we worked really hard, and then afterwards we played really hard. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Essay Life, the podcast.
1: My name is Penny Yap. I'm the editor of Essay Life magazine. My guests today are hospitality industry legend Belinda Hannaford, her son, Nick, and her daughter, Rachel. We're going to talk about Kangaroo Island, the nature of family business, and plans for the future. Belinda, hello. How are you? I'm very well. Lovely to see you. Good to be here. Belinda, let's take a trip back in time. Let's go back to the 80s. Can you tell me, where were you then? What was going on for you?
0: In the 80s, my marriage had finished I didn't have any money. I thought, what can I do? Good times then. Yes. <laughs> it was. So it's happening again now, so we're just re- repeating ourselves. But it was like reinventing yourself, and I could cook. So it was. it's all in my book, but it was just basically a friend of mine got me into having a restaurant home. Aha. So that was first, and then from that I got bigger and bigger and more imp- impressed with myself that I could manage. <laughs> so it started with Belinda's Restaurant, yes. didn't it, at Palmer yes. Place? yes. 12 people, mm-hmm. um, just a, a licence for the night. Ah. And it turned into a sort of a fanciful uh, artistic experience where my children started there by dressing up and becoming part of the mm-hmm. of, of the floor show. Did they really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they were quite exclusive parties. Can you remember yes. some of the people you cooked for? Oh, my goodness, yes. Don Dunstan, wow. victims of crime, um, mm-hmm. theatre companies, um, uh, Len Evans. Uh, it became, uh, I, be, I, I became a bit of a trendy. <laughs> and everyone booked for 12, so everyone knew each other. I see. And so they could behave badly, and I could never get rid of them. <laughs> I'd find them behind the door when I'd shut it, thinking they're all gone. <laughs> well, it sounds like tremendous fun. It <laughs> was. And from there, of course, you went into Jollies. Well, I went
1: to Ear's house first. Of course. It, but that's it's a long story. <laughs> we get to Jollies. So at Jolly's, I believe you then had Nick and Rachel helping you out as well.
0: They started in the kiosk and actually, I mean, Nick's got some very funny stories about the story. They're in the book anyway, but it's all about how they learnt to become professional in the kiosk, which was very interesting. And then they sort of jumped into the front of house Mm -hmm. and Rachel into the sweets, and Nick into uh, cooking. And it was a quick lesson. Um, but it's funny because the people used to ask for Nick and Rachel to look after them because it was like forty towers. Oh, really? And they sort of loved them and sort of loved the sort of cheekiness of what it was. And you, we got away with quite a lot, except that it wasn't bad get away with. It was funny. It was fun to yep. get away with. Yep. So, Jolly, so you had a number of entertaining staff members behind the scenes as well, didn't you? Oh, oh, oh yes. Uh, actually, the staff, that's my I'm, – I'm most proud of that in my life. It was like an early Jamie Oliver. I took on all these – kids from the street who didn't have a job and I trained them all up mm-hmm. and um, I they were just we were I was smummy mm-hmm. and it was like a substitute mother where we worked really hard and then afterwards we played really hard <laughs> and they were it, it was a magical experience for me and they and they've kept it with them as well. Well, you're really ahead of your time. How fascinating. Uh, Yes, I seem to always be a bit of a head. (laughs) I hope I'm not dying at the head of a time. No, (laughs) (laughs) I
1: hope not too. And you have a very strong connection to Kangaroo Island, don't you? Very. So I believe you've been going there since
0: you were a child. I was born. The year I was born was the first year we went over there. I see. Just after the war or just, well, it was the last couple of years of the war. Right. And my father and mother brought over big tanks of uh, perishables in a big tank because they thought the war was going to come to Cangarone. Oh, really? And it all got soggy, so if they had come, we wouldn't have had any food. So there's a lot of that and the fishing and um, good memories of my life, because it was free. Cangarone was freedom to me. So Yes, you had a fairly strict upbringing yes, very, at home in Adelaide, very, didn't you? Yep. And so then uh, it was just a playtime there it was wonderful, and, and it's moved on for my children. Mm. I had the same vision in my head that it's it's a wonderful place to be creative and enjoy just what Kangaroo is, mm. free and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So the, I gave them that same message. It didn't take much to get it going. So so Island's been a special spot for us until we all started working there together. Can you remember discovering yeah. the enchanted fig tree? Yes. I, I Tell discovered, me about that. I'd been sitting as a little four-year-old um, along the dirt track where the, all the um, campers used to sit under the fig tree when they were moving from one part of Kangaroo Island and I used to sit in there with them. And then at about seven, I happened to go down to the fig tree and I found a little hole mm-hmm. and inside was a sort of starting of all these rooms. It was it was nothing like it is now. Right. And so I got my um, brother-in-law to cut a little hole bigger and then gradually we moved into these rooms and opened them all up and then we built a... a um, a stairway over the top, like the magic faraway tree. Wow! Because that was my favourite book. So anyway, <laughs> so it was all used then as a place where our family just loved to bring the people who used to come for the business because I had uh, hannafords of kangaroo island then. Right. Yes, yeah. that was your first business. Yeah, and all the people I got to know and Mum got to know as she was part of my part of the team. Mm-hmm. So they all came down um, and we did free meals. Oh, really? Just invited them. And your mum worked with you quite yes. a lot, well, didn't she? Yes, right back from uh, Palmer Place. Your mum was involved then yes. too? Good heavens. And, and of course, um, you, no, you wouldn't have known her. Barb Salento, no. No. no, anyway, she's, she died, which is um, unfortunate, but she was the other mainstay of all the way through. It must have been fun if people were working with you for so long. It, w- it wouldn't be, in, it would not be right now you couldn't have had the sort of uh, li- life in hospitality that we had then i see it was just so it was like in europe and i think i also wrote about that that mm-hmm. um we, the staff had a little pl- time to have lunch you know you didn't live on cappuccinos and uh, and need alcohol <laughs> you actually sort of had play time as i said play time and work time i still love my staff i still see them
1: oh how amazing yep. yes well, you referenced your book a couple of times. Yep. Now you've writ- written this book this year, and it came yes. out just unfortunately as COVID. Exactly, it came out too, didn't yes. it? So, but your book is called "Sourcing the Source." Yep. Can you tell me what you mean by that?
0: Well, source in food, yes, is symbolic in source, which is the richest, which is the richness of life. The source, the source is the the core, the essence of everything. Yes, and sourcing it is looking for that source in in us. I see, and I've got a lisp. Source. <laughs> <laughs> You're sourcing your personal source and I'm sourcing the source of everything. Uh oh, okay. so that was the that's how it started. I see. But it did come from back to the source which was a community program I started on Kangaroo Island. Oh. And then the sourcing the source was more about food and creativity and finding who the person is within us. How wonderful. Mm. A bit scary. A bit scary. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And now we're joined by Nick Hannaford, Belinda's son. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? Good day. How are you? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, Nick, we've just been talking about Kangaroo Island, and I believe you must have lots of memories of your early childhood there too.
2: Yeah, look, I love Kangaroo Island. It's um, it's got a lot of different memories for me mm-hmm. because I I grew up there, went to school, so I really you know. Was a part of the community there as a oh, young really? kid growing up, kicking around in the sand hills and <laughs> playing on the road, and you know, doing all the things you do. And then, as I got older, um, we used to go there for family holidays. And mm-hmm. um, my mate, we were lucky to have an amazing house right on the edge of the cliff. How and wonderful! It was just those days of that real feeling of freedom and mm-hmm. and ex- exploration as a young kid, and 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 then a. a a teenager and then, you know, a young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and just each time along the way as you sort of evolve through life and, and, and those times, Kangaroo Island was a really amazing grounding sort of place to be where you can connect at different levels and explore your own growth and friendships and and even the challenges, you know, that you face. It all seemed to be okay on Kangaroo Island. It was just that connection to nature and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having fret, mum was and dad were great with, you know, having friends over mm-hmm. and coming down. And in those days, the, the school holidays went on, felt like forever. <laughs> and we drove the, the adults mad, you know, we would be <laughs> kicked out of the house and, and we were literally out, you know, barely came back for anything mm-hmm. until the sun came down. In many ways, it's, uh, it's an amazing place.
1: How amazing! Mm. Yes, I think there must be something about the island nature as well. Just a, a different psychology, perhaps, of you know, you are on an island, separate to the separate to the real world in many ways. Well, I think
2: that's the magic of Kangaroo Island. That sort of make uh, it feels like you're actually going and travelling mm. a bit of a distance, and mm-hmm. so it's a destination that you have to plan for. And you know, once you get there, um, it does its sort of magic on you in a way. We mm. we have a lot of guests who come. And uh, you know, highly strung. This is when the, you know from around the world when they could travel at, mm. at lifetime private retreats, and they would come and very you know, okay, well, I've got a conference call with America at two a.m. in the morning, and blah blah blah. Good. One day passes, and suddenly those things are not so important, and you mm. see their whole body language sort of sink and relax, oh, and how fantastic. their tone and who they are as you know over three days they become mm. different people. So. Look, I think that's the power of nature, I think it's, uh, but there is a spirit of Kangaroo Island that I think is, that I connect to, and mum certainly does, Uh Uh, and and Rachel too, all in different ways, yeah.
1: Oh, how lovely. Mm. And more recently, you mentioned lifetime private retreats, so you've you've made your own business there as well.
2: Yeah, look, it's sort of, mum started with a a bed and breakfast uh, sort of accommodation there, and then I came in and sort of uh, with different eyes and and thought, look, let's go for this really high. Actually, it was Rachel and I started the business together. So uh-huh. that was fantastic. Yeah, we thought, great idea. Sister and brother, let's go and run a business. And it was an absolute worst thing we'd ever oh, done. Oh, no, you know? really? I mean, you know, what, what do they all say? Don't mix family, business.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Pleasure <laughs>
2: should all be different things. No, we didn't listen. We just thought, no, I, let's... Family, let's just support each other in the whole thing. And it was right. a, look, it was a real challenge and hard for Rachel and I as brother and sister, and me and Mum. Oh, yeah, really? Absolutely. You know, she found that very hard too. Uh, you know, just
0: watching them suffering. Oh dear. Because
2: you, you know, with with business, you you need to. You know, it's all very well to have a passion and drive for mm. something, and Rachel did with the food, and that's mm. her passion and drive. And mm. mine was to create you know, this this amazing sort of accommodation that was beyond just getting a room and opening and having a lovely house and mm. luxury. We really wanted to create memories for people and that's what it was, connecting into how different people like to holiday. So Rachel and I would put crazy things, you know, we'd ask questions like, what do you remember from your childhood? What music soothes your soul? Or what flavours and food oh, brings yes. back memories? And then we'd place little... Things in the wow. accommodation that would connect people. It might be just a guitar sitting in the corner of the room, or they walk in and the smell of fresh bread or ginger nuts cooking in the oven. Amazing. That they. So we interpreted those questions and 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 created little surprises for them in the in the retreat. But it was that ab- a great idea, but it was absolute frigging madness because <laughs> yeah. we didn't have the labour, we didn't have the. You know, uh-huh. it was a it was a nightmare to try and pull off. But we had you know, and guests who were going, oh, my God, this is – we've never experienced anything like this before.
1: How amazing. Mm. And now you've – you have a new plan Mm. for the same place.
2: Well, I guess what I'm doing is bringing all that – those years of, you know, experience and Mm -hmm. trauma and stress and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, what do they say, you know, it's always – you get knocked down, you've got to learn from it. And I'm trying to make sense of that, Um, bringing all those things together back to Kangaroo Island again with Gastronomo being Mm. Gastronomo Dining – And gastronomy, I think, is just a a culmination of those things. So it's events, it's restaurant. You know, mum brought me into Jolly's Boathouse. Yes. And I got incredible, you know, experience there. Um, So what we're trying to do is create dining experiences that, that really do create memories and that it's not just about a fancy chef name or, you know, this is the most amazing local produce or... You know, look at, look at how good this food is. I can share it on Instagram. Yeah. It's getting back to the real essence of food, dining, conversation, mm-hmm. environment and weaving all these things together. So my sort of line is it's not what, you know, a guest, um, t- it's not just about what a guest tastes, touches or sees. It's... Mm it's more about how they feel at the end and what they remember and that's what we're trying to do is create these feelings which create amazing memories so I see kangaroo island's a great platform for that and uh, after the fires and recovering we you know i can proudly say lifetime the accommodation survived two fires and mm-hmm. uh, covid and the fig tree after Rachel doing an incredible job, mm-hmm. there running it for four years. Yeah, you know? she, she had to run away. she had to get oh. away
0: the, emotionally it just killed her.: Yeah, 10 courses Seriously. she was doing, you yep. know,
2: down at the fig tree. My incredible goodness. Mm-hmm. And then the fires came again. Mm-hmm. So now we're reopening the fig tree sort of from the fires as a good recovery story, mm-hmm. bringing back, in essence the, the sort of carrying on the tradition of doing something in the fig tree. Amazing. Um, And that's, you know, it's going to be my interpretation of it through Gastronomo Eyes. Uh So uh, Rachel did a fantastic job when mum was there doing her thing, as in your. Early adult life, and you, now we separate
0: and, and now, happily, absolutely. so we can do our own thing and not argue. And with now, each other. yes, we've separated all <laughs> our family
2: separately out of business. Yes, we've we've pulled that's the it. Cleverest. Yeah, that's we've pulled everyone out separately, f- so we're not involved in businesses anymore with mm-hmm. the family. But we have a lovely connection through arm's length <laughs> connection <laughs> and, uh, creatively. and and creatively, creatively, you know, I think that's the the thing. And and now we know the dangers mm. of of combining family emotions in business. You know, we mm. we know the, the hot points and where not to go. Yeah. And mm. no know, I, I'm certainly aware. Hey,
0: We don't want to go anywhere
2: in no. business. <laughs> no, well, we don't. That's it. I mean, that's it. We don't. Yeah.
1: Been there and done that. Yeah. But just touching back to gastronomy yeah. for a moment, I've heard that you're going to ask people, to leave their social media while they're with you, just to have a blackout on those pesky mobile phones. Yeah,
2: look, look, it's just something that... I
0: didn't know that. Good. See, yeah, I
2: don't know anything. <laughs> well, just shows you well, I don't that's know That's right. Anything. Well, you're not at the boardroom no. now only because you're not in business. Okay. That good? All right, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, look, well, that that connects back to what I was saying before about we want to have, you know, connected experiences. Mm. You know, how often, you know, in this life we're flat out, we're running around, mm-hmm. time Every schedules day, yes. on phones, on social media. So the idea is that we ask guests when they come to not take pictures, um, not share on social media for two reasons. One, we just want people to connect with what's happening, you know. Mm-hmm. Be in and the not, moment. And be in the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't get times to be like that. So mm-hmm. I think that was that's one of the reasons. And the other two, I, I believe in discovery and, you know, mystery and people discovering things at Mm -hmm. their own time and their own way and their own pace. Now, Mm -hmm. if you have months of people sharing stuff on social media and saying, look at this and every detail, showing every detail of everything we're doing, then you're going to come with a certain expectation of what Mm -hmm. that event's going to be Mm -hmm. through the eyes of that person and the words that they use. So it's not us trying to be smart and just going dark on social media. It right. is a part of just um, wanting to create those memories and create something that's, you know, different for everybody mm. and, and and get rid of the distractions. So that's why we've we've done that. And we've we've got fantastic chefs who are going to come over in Hero. So we've got our main chef who will run through the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're open from the 11th of December right through to the end of April. And... Uh, the fig tree will be open. And then through that, every six weeks or so, we've invited different chefs to come and give their interpretation of the island, the food, the fig tree, the history through a menu that they create for one special lunch or dinner. Uh So um, that's been supported by the South Australian Tourism Commission. They've, They've helped us put together the Chef's Program, which we're calling the Chef's Program. Okay. So we've got Simon Bryant coming, uh, Duncan Welgamode, and um, Emma McCaskill. Oh, fabulous. So they're going to be our chefs coming over and and playing with us on Kangaroo Island with the food and the fig tree.
1: Mm, Oh, how exciting. Mm, Sounds like tremendous fun. Yeah. I look forward to
2: it. Well, that's it. We do want to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) We want to have fun through all this, don't we?
0: Yes. And we have to promise ourselves
2: we
3: will,
0: particularly you.
3: Yes. (laughs)
1: Now we have Rachel Hannaford joining us over the phone. Rachel, I'm here in the studio with your mum and your brother, but where on earth are you?
3: Um, I'm actually uh, on the beach in um, Puerto Vallarta in Jalisco, Mexico.
1: Oh, wonderful. How long have you been over there?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been sort of semi-stranded in um, Puerto Vallarta since, I think it was February. Oh, wow. So what's that about? Six months, roughly. Like, it's not not a bad place to be stranded, I have to say.
1: It sounds like it. <laughs> now, uh, I, I yep. believe you do have plans to come back, though, and your mum has been hinting that you have plans for a new venture
3: when you get back. Yes, yes. Um, well, obviously, they're they're very much just plan, not plans at the moment, more sort of dreams and uh, concepts and ideas, um, mm-hmm. because it's hard it's hard to plan dates and things at the moment because I'm not sure. I'm trying to get back by um, December or January, I think. So. It uh, won't be anything for this summer, but starting early next year, hopefully.
1: Oh, I see. Can you tell us any more about what you're hoping to do?
3: Um, well, I'm hoping to do something initially in Adelaide. It'll be something to do with food, but I, I've I've gotten a lot of ideas from what I'm experiencing and what is kind of unique in Mexico, but obviously sort of changing in something that fits into the the food landscape in Adelaide. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's a food, it's a food idea at this stage, but um, they have they have little restaurant here um called senadorias it's like a dinner house uh, where people it's almost like going to somebody's house for dinner and i think i don't know if mum's talked about it yet but doing dinners at home and things like that um because of covid i don't know the idea of not not so much home cooking but oh sorry but very unique um you know kind of because people want to have something a bit more glamorous or exciting at home because it's harder to go out the restaurants,
1: and mm. I mean, cooking has of course always been your passion. So now you're taking that passion into people's homes.
3: Yes, yes, something, something along those lines. Yes, at this stage, but something incorporating really interesting food as well, I suppose. Mm. I love I love the Mexican food, but probably mixing. You know, I love Asian food as well. But yeah, something that's unique for Adelaide, I guess.
0: I think that sounds very exciting. I look forward to trying it. And do what's good for me is she's done all her professional cooking life, mainly in Melbourne. I see. And I don't think Melbourne's the place to go at the moment, but I'm saying that Adelaide, she's going to use it as a as a core idea and really work there for a while for a change. And hurry up and do it.
3: Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think everybody's looking for something because I think no one ever had in their thinking about being restricted to go to restaurants prior to the... Pandemic, mm. so it's it, it sort of caused people's creativity to go in different directions, and um, it, and it, I'm trying to see it as a good thing, not a negative thing, because you know there's so much more exciting things that can be done um, as a result of this. You know, to do with using the outdoors, and in Australia we have beautiful outdoors and beautiful climate and nice air quality. So you know, why not take things outdoors a bit more?
0: I love what you're saying about that whole yeah. concept of using this time with COVID and everything else and where people are to, to recreate what you're talking about. I think it's really important and Adelaide could do with you now, okay? Yes. Not Mexico, <laughs> not Kangaroo Island, but yep. Adelaide for the time being. Well, that's everyone, your mother eat, talking. everyone
3: eats outdoors here all the time anyway. That's why it's, it's probably a lot easier in, in Mexico to yeah. avoid uh, breathing on people while you're eating. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've just got to figure out ways to do it back in, back in Adelaide and back in yeah,
2: what do you nice think, Nick? Excellent.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, 2020 was, of course, a year that began with a devastating bushfire on Kangaroo Island and then COVID came in as well. It's been a difficult year for you both, hasn't it? But it sounds like it's going to end better than it began.
0: Yes, I went into this scary area of thinking I'm the only person who can change anything here. Everyone's run away. I've got to sit in my house. So what do I do? And that's how I got to this idea of one-on-one cooking the most unbelievable meals at home, sitting outside, creating something that I was loving cooking Mm. and asking someone to talk with with me. I see. So that started a little thing uh, which has gone on like another person in and then another person, random, I've called it random rendezvous because it's not about (laughs) people that you know particularly. It's a mix of people who are all looking for something to say. Interesting. Uh, Outside just, oh, this is all awful. I see. So, this is a little bit of community engagement yes, you've been creating. It's, it's just I want to do some uh, community ideas of just cook, cook, well, talking fi- about things. At a, a time talking about real it's things hard. and me cooking some food mm-hmm. and letting them come along. It's not a paying thing, it's just come along and it's like a, a community program.
2: How fantastic.
1: Yeah. And in fact, in the October issue of Essay Life magazine, we have a little uh, lunch party that you cook for a few friends, don't we? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, it's very <laughs> similar yes. to that. It really. is. Similar I see. Yeah. Mm. I love it. I think um, the life must be a bit of a random rendezvous for you, Belinda. So. Yeah,
0: yes, and I just yeah. want to go follow that track of helping other people. I love it. It's my favourite thing.
1: Yeah,
2: and look, from our point of view, as I mentioned, that uh, we had some fi- had a fire three years ago, mm-hmm. and then in our area, and then the fire, the beginning of this year, and then yeah, the follow-on of COVID. So. Mm-hmm. From a business point of view, with our lifetime retreats, we lost all the business through the fire and then it came back again and then we lost it all through COVID. Wow, <laughs> a double hit. A double hit. Mm. Um, you know, there was other personal things that happened at the same time and obviously you go to a, you know, I went to a pretty low spot, um, mm. you know, with, with all of that crashing around me and, you know, broken marriage and things like that. Oh so dear. um So... But you know, it's pulling yourself out of that, and I think the fires. To, to me, it's you, you have decisions that you make, and, and sometimes at those low points, you go, "Am I going to let this just get ahead of me, or am I going to make a decision to start to, you know, pull yourself out and look for the positive?" And mm. um, and that's what we did. And I have to say, I didn't do it all myself. You know, some good psychs and mum and family and oh yeah, and my all, book all added, <laughs> all added into the to the picture, but. You know, it has. The isolation and the time was great thinking time, which is where Gastronomo sort of formulated a lot more. And also a bit of a silver lining now is that um, we're 98% full um, at the lifetime private retreats. Amazing. Because people, you know, South Australians have been amazing. You know, they're getting out. So we've never been that busy at this time of year. Oh ever. really? So that's very positive. You know that that's a nice uh, little positive um, side to it. But you know a lot of soul searching you know went on, which I think is happening to a lot of people. And my God, the impact on the island was just so devastating and traumatic. To I mean, I I count myself is. lucky. You mm. know, really. I mean, people lost homes and there was lives lost and mm. you know businesses. You know, like depression. Uh, you know, and yeah, look, it, was uh, it really rocked the islands. Mm. The community in a small island like that, which is different to a community that's connected, you know, like a suburb on the mainland, because mm. you have a, you can flow in and out, and people can flow, and that sort of connection is a bit more. But when you're isolated on an island after fires and the mm. trauma, and then COVID and that lockdown, I think it, I think it would hit the island community um, in a far greater way.
1: Um, I agree. I'm sure you're right, mm. yes. I mean,
2: I've got no statistics behind <laughs> that, but, you know, I, I feel that that.
1: Do you, do you think there are brighter times ahead for Kangaroo Island? Is there a sense of optimism over there now?
2: Oh, look, absolutely. Look, absolutely. Um, I think one of the the things that I, which was challenging at the time when we we're coming out of fires, so if we're talking about fires, is that Obviously, went all around the world, and you know, the devastation of fires mm. and catastrophic and wipe out of wildlife and the damage that that did to the Kangaroo Island brand was obviously huge. Now, I'm not taking anything away from how fires affect humans, you know, mm-hmm. it is devastating, it is horrific mm-hmm. to, to different degrees for, for us as humans on this planet. But as far as nature goes, The resilience of nature, unless you see it and you really experience it, you can't fathom how amazing it is. Mm. You know, only eight weeks after, I took a photo and I actually, it was published, but I was sitting there looking at the kangaroos grazing on amazing, vibrant, electric grass. Wow. A beautiful day, new shoots popping up everywhere. And at the same time, there was a newscast in the room as I was sitting there saying, devastated Kangaroo Island, catastrophic, you know. So you sort of um, – it's the terminology in the comfortable place that people well, – suddenly Kangaroo Island had a new brand. It was devastated Kangaroo Island. Right. And it, and it just rolled off the tongue. But here I was – Seeing, I wasn't seeing devastation. Eight weeks on, mm. sure there was, and so I'm talking about nature, not as I said, not the human mm. experience. But um, and right now, it's incredible. It's fascinating to see the journey of of a, a of a recovery in nature mm-hmm. and be a part of that. And I'd say to guests, people coming when they could come to Kangaroo Island, how often do we get a chance to actually see? nature and the wildlife, you can actually see them a lot more because there's less, less shrub. <laughs>
1: that's true.
2: And they're all coming in for the new shoot. So the, the vibrancy of, of, of the land is so different and what an opportunity to see it. And yep. that's still happening now, you know. So, so you do not go there mm-hmm. and see at the moment, you know, this, this awful devastation that people talk about.
1: Well, it's wonderful. We all love our state and I'm sure a lot of people are going to get over to Kangaroo mm-hmm. Island to see for themselves this summer.
2: That, absolutely, they should.
1: <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining me today. It's been wonderful to chat. It's been great. great. Thank you for having
2: us. Yeah, absolutely. It's the best talk
0: I've had with Nick for a long time. Oh. <laughs> we
2: should put microphones in front of us more often then. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening. You can join Belinda for a lunch party in her own home in the October issue of Essay Life magazine, out now. Or for more details, go to our website at salife.com.au.